You're listening to the Relationship-Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I interview Nikki Spears, an author, motivational speaker, former educator, principal, teacher, head start principal, all these different things. I call her the human spark. That's my nickname for her. In this episode, you will hear Nikki not only talk about how to create a positive culture, but the impact of a positive culture on your campus and how that trickles down into the students, how that impact of positivity and that the intentionality will bring that sustainability that we're looking for as a campus culture and change. We talk about her book. We talk about her events, about celebrating principles coming up on June 19th. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a great opportunity to connect with another amazing human being and a great educator. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the Relationship Centered Learning Podcast, where we put relationships at the center of all learning. I am super pumped today. I get to have Miss Nikki Spears on the show. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. Absolutely. So, hey, Nikki, just like every episode, we want to connect before we jump into today's content. We do that in what we call the flip five format. So I'll ask you five GTKY questions. You flip five back at me. They can be simple and simple as uh, I'll ask you simple as this. What is your favorite color? Who? That's I'm going to say gold. Oh, like, OK. Yeah. Yellow gold. OK. See, that's what's interesting, because, you know, I, mine is blue based on the background. You can kind of just guess. But no, yellow gold. That's I, I love the the vision when you say yellow gold. Like uh, mango. With, mango. Yeah. No, I think that's <laughs> awesome. All right. So, Nikki, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a question directed more towards women, because I'm going to ask you about a purse. Do you prefer a small bag or a large bag? I uh, like primarily. Large. I love large. I can't do small. <laughs> it doesn't carry enough of your stuff, does it? No, no, never. So I'll <laughs> do large. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So would you prefer to shop online or in person? I know, forget the pandemic, just what do you prefer? Would you rather shop online or would you rather be in person when you shop? I like online. It's so easy, but then I get it and something's wrong. But I, I would prefer online if it worked every time. Yeah, I think that's crazy. I am definitely, I think Amazon needs to recognize that I own stock in them. They just don't give me credit because, <laughs> my, you know, my neighbors are like, what is going on with those number of boxes? And yeah. I think we need to figure out a recycled cardboard thing because I'm telling you, like cardboard just <laughs> adds up. I'm definitely an online shopper. Yes. All right. So when you think of like, okay, growing up, what was like that favorite meal that either your mom or your grandmother, somebody made, you know, that one meal that you just remember as a kid that like, oh, yes, that that, that meal describes childhood. Okay, that, Kevin, the only thing that comes to mind when I think about it's not really a meal, but it's something I prepared myself. Okay. And it was grilled cheese. I love cheese. I still do today. So grilled cheese would have to be it. Oh, and it's so funny you said that because my mom used to give me grilled cheese and tomato soup. And what's funny is I never eat tomato soup. Like that's not a soup that I would eat. But if you gave me a grilled cheese, there's something about, I think your brain goes back to memories and like food and how it just feels comfort. And so grilled cheese and tomato soup would be like, it oh my God. Wonderful, even for right now. Oh my gosh. I'm going to pause on that question. I drove down from Oregon down to San Francisco and I did the 101. Well, right up right up there in Oregon, they have the Toluk Cheese Factory. Uh-huh. Oh, Never if you love it. cheese, I'm just Toluk Cheese. I think it's Toluk. But I'm just telling you, I went to the Cheese Factory. Oh my God. The cheese and the ice cream and the things that you can get there, heavenly, heavenly. Oh. The, gr the grilled cheese there best grilled cheese I've ever had. All right. Sorry. You got me on the cheese. I love cheese too. Last, last simple question. When you think of like, when you, when you think about writing and I, and you know, we'll talk about your book today. When you think about writing, what was the hardest part of just the whole writing process for you? Finding space to just do it. It's like, it's always been here. 
but it's just finding the time and the space to actually write. Mm. That was the hardest part. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's five questions. So what would you like to get to know me a little bit better about before we get started? Gosh. Okay. So you left your job about five years ago. Yep. 2015, June of 2015 at the end of the school year. Yes, ma'am. What has been, and this is going to be two questions. You got it. What has been the most rewarding thing for you? And then what has been the most challenging? Okay. The most rewarding thing is realistically like the difference that you actually feel like you're making with adults. And it's the little things, but it's the littlest things. Like the other day I did a virtual training and I will tell you, I didn't think we could actually make impact virtually, but it is possible. It is much better in person, but somebody sent me an email like, Hey, I was really considering retirement at the end of this year. And you've really kind of made me reconsider that. Wow. Or, you know, getting a note in your pocket when somebody walks up and says, hey, best convocation in 27 years. You know, you just kind of like those moments. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, (laughs) those have been the highlights. The challenge, to be honest with you, is running in to that wall of relationships. And what I mean by that is schools loving to talk about how important relationships are. But then when it really comes to it, uh, you know, backing up what they say the 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 wall of continuing to run into oh relationships oh yeah they're so important and then immediately something else comes and they get pushed to the side and then they get pushed to the side and you you were so relevant and then you're not and then it's crazy because districts like are so excited and then they break up with you without even calling you like they don't there's no even there's not like we've only had one district that said let's do an exit plan on how to like build capacity and build this without you most people just like the hardest part is, is like, where did they go? You know, like what happened? We were, we were in such a great momentum and conversation and everything. And, and then I guess the next newest shiny thing comes up and I laugh because I'm just like, <laughs> whatever new and shiny is coming on. I, I came up with this phrase. You, you got to build your school on a rock of relationships instead of the sands of initiatives. And what I feel like is we just get replaced with a lot of initiatives when relationships have been at the center of everything for our entire life. And right. not even not even school. I'm talking about life, work, business, you know, every it's all centered around relationships and connections. And so you just scratch your head. The challenging part is you scratch your head and you're like, what happened? What happened? Yeah, yeah what happened? It leaves you kind of questioning. Well, you're not alone in that. I feel that way too. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, if there was no concern about pay, Kevin, what would you be doing right now? Opening up a youth outdoor activity center where youth could come learn about the, I'm, I'm an outdoorsman. I love the outdoors. And so hunting, fishing, whatever, just being outdoors, I would love to have youth not for zero cost, like you said, no money involved. Yeah. I would just want them to show up to teach them just how to appreciate and what what there is to love about the outdoors. When I was 20, oh my God, I think I was like 24, maybe 25, I had bought a hat with a stitch of the name of the of the business I wanted to do back when I was in my 20s. I never did it, but it was always what I wanted to do. <laughs> so when you asked me that, I'm like, in a heartbeat, would I open up that if I could? Well, you know what? You answered very quick. So that's been in the back of your mind and you know exactly what you want to do. For people, for, for me and for many people, it was hard to understand what is my purpose here? Even when I was doing great things, I still felt like there was something I wasn't doing. Tell us your purpose and how did you connect with that? Uh, this work. Oh my God. I tell people all the time uh, when I was in education and I'm not bad mouthing education, education, the education system is an incredible system. It just, it just needs some readjusting, but I lost my why Nikki. I was, I led the district with 1,149 types of suspension. I was that get out nose to nose and toes to toes. Right. Like, but, but I, but I wanted to be a teacher because of my elementary teacher. And so I, one day I was sitting in the parking lot and I was like, what am I doing? Like I've lost who I was. I lost who I wanted to be. The education system reshaped me into who they needed me to be, but that's not who I wanted to be. So part of leaping, as Steve Harvey says, right, that leap of faith, you know, was as the parachute was coming down and you're taking the bumps and everything he says, right? Like somewhere as you're floating down, you're like, OMG, I found my why. Mm. This is my passion. This is my why. Like, 
there I'll be in a I'll be in a hotel or a, a plane or whatever. And somebody says, what do you do for a living? And I, I, I can tell. And they're like, you are really passionate about it. I'm like, <laughs> can you tell? I like it, it yeah. literally has become I have transformed into my why. And I'm, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything more at 51 years old. I couldn't imagine being like, like everything set me up for this. Everything set me up for this. Wow. So, yeah. And I are the same age, by the way. Ah, look at that. Here. Oh, <laughs> okay. My last question for you. Let's make this a good one. Okay. I think all my, I think all my questions have been pretty good, but let's. Yes. If you could do anything today and you didn't have to do anything else, you didn't have anything on your agenda, what would you be, what would you be doing? If I didn't have anything to do in anything on my agenda, I would be in the outdoors. I mean, I literally like that is, that is where I escape. So whether that's walking in the woods, whether that's cutting some firewood, whether that's just really just sitting in and taking in the scenery, like just being outdoor, green, fresh air, seeing elevations or whatever I can see, uh, wildlife, you know, just experiencing. That is what some people escape to the beach, which is great. Don't get me. I'd love a beach and a cold drink. But at the end of the day, I'd really just escape to to a place where I can can just feel uh, connected. You know, I feel that's, yeah. the, that's where I connect the most. That is awesome. Well, I think your questions are great because I would tell you I'm a, I'm a question connoisseur. No, in other words, I think that questions are very intriguing. I love, I love hearing like new types of questions. And that's what when we train teachers, we're like, look, it's just GTKY. Get to know your kids, but don't ask them the same dang dumb questions. I always tell them like, when you eat Cheetos, how you clean your Cheeto fingers? You know, like everybody's a little bit different, but you got, it makes them laugh, but you got to ask them some big questions. So Nikki, you did a fantastic job. That was the GTKY part of the connections before content part of the show. So let's jump right into today's episode. So give everybody just a quick synopsis of who is Nikki Spears. Ooh, that's a loaded question. Okay. That's all right though. Just just give us a, you know, just a concise version of who you are and what you're doing right now so that people can understand what your purpose is right now, what your why is. Okay. Well, uh, Kevin, I, a lot of what you're saying, I feel like we connect in that way. I'm really passionate about helping people. That passion comes from, you know, my childhood. I grew up in a home where I didn't always feel valued and appreciated. And that became my mission in life. And I became a kindergarten teacher. Actually, I started working with Head Start as a preschool teacher before becoming a kindergarten teacher. Uh, But I found my classroom to be that place where uh, we could create a family. And, And I would try a lot of the things that I thought would work in my own family. I would try in this little classroom and bringing in the parents and community and trying to bring people together. And I saw how that actually worked. I mean, when I was a teacher, I would I wouldn't even look at my watch. You know, as I was growing up, I had those jobs where I was constantly like, okay, I got two and a half more hours and I'm out of here. Well, as a teacher, time would be over and I'm like, oh my God, I see the kids packing up, ready to go home. And it was like, it's over already. I was having so much fun. And so I knew that education was it for me. And each time I felt like I had found the it thing, Kevin, like going into all these different roles, I was a behavior specialist, a curriculum coordinator, assistant principal. I have been all of these things. And each time I thought, this is it. It wasn't. Even when I became a principal, that was like the ultimate it. I said, okay, this is where I'll retire. Uh, but that's not what God saw for me. And so each time I think it's, you know, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm pushed even a little bit more. Uh, so leaving my job in 2016, just a year after you left your job, Kevin, a year later, I left my job and uh, pursued helping schools create and sustain positive culture because culture does not begin the moment you walk into a building. Uh, culture begins, you know, in our homes. And I, I understood that now. And I really appreciate my childhood now because I realized that without those experiences growing up, I wouldn't be as passionate about what I'm doing as I am today. So without that, it wouldn't have created this. And and so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I am so uh, passionate about bringing people together, having those positive experiences. Like you talk about relationships is so important. And then how do we do that? Yeah. You mentioned, first of all, thank you for sharing that. You mentioned two words in there that I definitely resonated with because I think 
as you and I enter schools, one of the things that I, I started to develop a vision for was sustainability, because you mentioned create and sustain. And so one of the challenges that I've, I'm always up against with schools is sustainability. And, it, and as you mentioned, it starts way before the actual tools that we give them. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and to me, I started talking to them. I'm like, look, if you're not going to be intentional, then there, if without intentionality, there, there is no sustainability because now you're just winging it. And I told them, you know, some of you have the ability to wing relationships you know, you have it, much like you described when you were in the classroom. God has blessed us with some of those those natural gifts and abilities, but some enter education and they just they don't have that it right in education form them to go. Oh, it's really about the the scores and the content and accountability and you know the things that we recognize when we were building principles and we were leading our campuses. We recognize that that pressure, but it's so funny. So, so when do you ever? realize when you're bringing this positive culture interactions with campuses that sustainability sometimes it may be a a very big barrier that we kind of deal with when bringing change into the campus you ever experience something like that all the time i think uh it's easy for us to do a rah-rah at the beginning of the year what people want to know is how do we take this feeling throughout the year and what they don't want to hear is that it's an individual uh job it's it's not, we give you the tools. However, it's up to each individual to take the tools that we give you and actually apply. Many of us are looking for a quick fix and we're looking for others to do it. But when we realize that we're responsible for our own happiness and that we're just coming in, being the vehicle to help you get ready to drive, many people don't want to hear that because it takes a lot of work. Like you talked about being intentional. And it's, it's about each person reflecting on themselves. So when I go into a school, Kevin, I'm always talking about personal culture. Uh, and if we ignore that, then we're not going to have this team culture that we all want because each person comes in with their own values, their own beliefs, their own ideas. And so we, we have to talk about who we are uh, as, as a district, as a school, and we have to say it over and over and over again. It's not one time at the beginning of the year, you know, when we're talking about expectations. You're going to sound like a broken record because you're repeating it over and over and over again. And another thing I talk about is that mission statement. Because if we look at a school mission statement or even a district mission statement, it's always geared towards what we do for students. And a real inspiring mission statement is about everybody. So it encompasses every single person in the school. It's not just students because we don't wake up in the morning. Even though I love kids and I love, I'm passionate about school. I don't get energized in the morning thinking about what I need to do for everybody else. I want to know what's in this for me too. Uh, so if, if, you know, I have people Google the 24 most inspiring mission statements. And one of those mission statements is from Nike. And they say something like, if you have a body, then you are an athlete. And I'm like, yeah, yes, <laughs> you know, and that's what high school should be. It should be more inclusive of everybody and not just what we need to do for students. Well, it's interesting because I have a difficult time when we come into campuses and we talk about a relational approach and they immediately want to go, okay, right to the students. And I'm like, okay, can I pause you there? Because you're skipping over. So I call it classroom connections. What about campus connections? You know, like, I'm like, what about the adults? And they're like, what about them? And I'm like, okay, these adults need to make the connections just like your kids. And in fact, if you don't get the adults to connect, I don't know how you're going to get them to, you know, universally as a culture, connect to your kids because they won't see the value in it. They won't understand who each other are. And so they're like, oh, and, and so you know, we, we believe in differentiation. We believe that every school is going to be different, starting different. Everybody, everyone's going to have different plates, you know, filled with MTSS, PBIS, positive. You may have another positive culture thing already going on with Nikki. So we don't come in and try to step on it. We come in and say, hey, what's already going on? But do you have anything that is addressing the campus culture and campus connections, adults, adults? Like, so for example, Nikki, you're, you're, you, you, I called you under our tool, you are the human spark. Like we are, the spark is that positive interaction. And we, we teach teachers how to do it in the first 90 seconds of class. Cause we believe if you do it in the first 90 seconds, you catch them positive, 
you don't have to overcome that negative. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny, Nikki, this is how it literally started. And this is a true story. I was in Richardson, Texas, and I was teaching it. I was consulting at an elementary and we were talking and, and this assistant principal had brought me in to do a classroom circle with the students because let's just say the wheels were wobbling on this class. And I think you you, you can read between the lines. I uh-huh. think this assistant principal, this is what's interesting. You talk about connections. The assistant principal thought it was the lack of connection with the teacher. And I think he thought that if I do this conversation, this will be health in a healthy way brought to the surface. Right. But what's interesting is you can't, you you can't just go in and ass- with an assumption. So I went and go and have a healthy conversation. Well, here's what's interesting. What came up is that they always start off negative. And mm-hmm. so I said, what? And the kid said, yeah. And this little kid st- stood up and he said, well, you know, a negative spark is bigger than a positive spark. This was a fourth wow. grader, Nikki. Nikki, this was a fourth grader. And I looked at him like, what did you just say? And he goes, yeah, negative sparks bigger than a positive spark. If we start out positive, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about being negative. And I was like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Teacher, I need you to get a poster, whatever on the door. And it said, be the spark. That's literally how this was born. And then I said, tomorrow, we're going to line up at the door and you're going to come in and you are going to be positive as soon as you come through the threshold. No more like you shut up and you shut up and, you know, fourth graders. Right. And they all came in and they practiced being intentionally positive at the very, very beginning of class. Nikki, it transformed that entire you get it. But I'm saying so the I teacher, the teacher that was like, OMG, right? Like WTH. She was like, <laughs> what happened? And I just told her, I said, wow, we just built a tool. And so we just started going across the building and I told him, I said, you, whatever sign you want, you don't have to put a sign on the door, but if you could just be intentional with a positive interaction and we varied it sometimes, it would, you know, of course, pre-pandemic, it would be high fives. Sometimes it would be give an affirmation to your neighbor. Uh, sometimes it would be look at your, you know, compliment something that they're wearing. You know, we would just do this. And so we built a whole spark menu. So, because as you said, what teachers want is they want you to be in the driver's seat. They just want to tell me what to do. Tell me what my spark needs to be, Miss Nikki Spears, right? (laughs) Instead, you're like, wait, I'm in the passenger seat, right? You're in the driver's seat, much like we do with God. We put God, sorry, that was a quick comment. We put God in the passenger seat. And I'm like, no, he needs to be in the driver's seat. But no, isn't it crazy how that little kid said a negative spark's bigger than a positive spark? And that triggered the whole tool of something that we call the spark. So hear that story. What's your thoughts? Oh my gosh. I just love student voice and everything that we do. So I love that, Kevin, because a lot of times we're making decisions for students uh, when they need to be a part of the decision making. And I was a big advocate of that uh, when I was a teacher, a system principal, and a principal. And I just saw big change in the culture based on bringing student voice into the conversation. For instance, if we had an ARD meeting. Now, there are certain things we can't discuss in, in the, you know, uh, with the student present, but those things that we can, they need to see that we're there planning for their lives, planning for their education. And how do you feel about this? What, what is your input? And it's, it's powerful. My kids, Kevin, got to a point on my campus when I was a principal, I called our school a leadership development school. Mm. And everybody, uh, from our students to our uh, custodians, uh, staff, everybody was considered a leader because leadership was about taking responsibility for you. Mm -hmm. So I had kids that were able to write letters to me requesting a new teacher and why. And it was just amazing. It was amazing to sit there with kids who would say to parents, oh, I'm going to meet with Ms. Spears this morning. No need for you to come. (laughs) And, And voice their opinion or... Uh, their their grievance about something that was happening in the school. And, and a lot of teachers didn't get that because, you know, they uh, one teacher even said to me, I, you know, students are supposed to be seen and not heard. And I'm like, not on our campus. Mm-hmm. And, and so eventually what happened was people started to, you know, make a decision as to whether or not this was the right place for them because we were all about leadership and that included the voice of students, which is powerful. You know, I, I say every human being, but I specifically address it to educators and say every student wants to feel valued, seen, and heard. And in yeah. fact, Nikki, the last in-person conference we had, we've had three conferences so far in Irving, Texas. The last one we had before the pandemic, we actually made it a student connection conference. So we had 100 students at our conference. They led breakouts. 
They facilitated at every door. They welcomed every single person who came through the door. There was a student ambassador at every door leading, right? Leading. They would enter. They, the students would like lead and in, in, uh, introduce the speaker. The, the students were all over the conference in the hallways and the breakout rooms and stuff. And we created a shirt that said, uh, see me, hear me, value me. And on the back, it said, connect with me. And so, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it, 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 we it, and we were blessed because we have quite a large school districts, uh, many school districts in the DFW area, like Dallas Fort Worth area. So we could bus. We had connections and relationships for them to bus kids in. But it's interesting because you brought up a mindset that sometimes as educators, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure my listeners. Always, I always say this statement, but I'm gonna say it again. Some of us are using a 1999 playbook in 2021. And mm -hmm. under that 1999 playbook, I remember what it was like. Students didn't have a voice or a choice, right? Like sit down, get the content, don't question adults, right? Like all of that stuff. Right. And what I tell them is, is if you could have a playbook in 2021, students no longer listen to us and comply with us because we're adults. And you could see people like, and I said, no, no, no. Now I didn't create this scenario. I'm just describing our reality. So don't get all PO to me, right? But they're like, but I tell them, if you can't digest that, that they don't no longer listen to us, comply with this, and that they want a voice and a choice in their education, and they're willing to step up and stand up for it, then you're going to struggle in education today. Because we had a student who we impromptly put a middle school, an elementary, middle school, and a high school student on the stage in front of a thousand people. And even though we had Ron Clark, right? We have V. Ron Clark as a keynote speaker. These three students, I will tell you, captured, captivated the audience. And the high school student to me said one of the most profound things. She said, teachers, I mean, no disrespect. And I'm going to paraphrase. But she said, with the way technology works today and the access to our information, why should I content with you if you don't connect with me? Because I can go and look up every piece of information. Now, she didn't say it threatening. She was more playing like, hey, and I did an interview earlier with a gentleman named Michael Pogue, and I had never heard it this way. He said, teachers need to embrace the idea that technology and information is out there and that we need to partner. This was an interesting word, partner with students so that we can facilitate and make sure that they're gaining that information in the appropriate way. And I was like, wow, like that, when you describe that, Nikki, that changes the whole frame of a teacher. Does it not? It, it really does. It really does. We are there to facilitate, to partner. And I think in the old school that, you know, old days of, of teaching, it was more about, you know, teachers being in isolation, owning their classroom, telling kids what to do. And we know that no longer works. We need to partner. They need to see us as a partner in their education. So I love that idea. So Nikki, let's talk to about how you partner with schools. So you bring this, you have many resources, but what you do, so let's specifically let educators know if they were interested in bringing Nikki into their school, what does, what do you bring as a partner to schools? Okay. So uh, my role with schools has really transitioned based on my experience over the, the last four years of doing this work. In my school, when I was principal, I was using the book, The Seven Habits, uh, mm -hmm. to really uh, bring us together and those, you know, along the same lines of what are our core beliefs. And so just adopting those habits until I was contacted by Leader in Me and they said, you can't do this unless you become a Leader in Me school. That's when I reached out to John Gordon of the Energy Bus and then started using uh, some concepts from his book. But what I realized, uh, Kevin, in doing the work is that it really wasn't the habits or it wasn't uh, the principles from the energy bus that were guiding our culture. It was those beliefs. And so now when I go in, my book is uh, titled The Beauty Underneath the Struggle, Creating Your Bus Story. But in each chapter, each chapter begins with the word be. So I kind of take the same mindset of, you know, like PBIS and the three Bs, except there are eight Bs in the book. And we talk about what do we want to be? So our schools, they partner with me in creating a framework that we then teach throughout the school. So is that be responsible? Is that be aware, be open, be positive? But each of these Bs, we really have to be intentional about teaching. What does it look like in action? And then what it doesn't look like. 
so basically, uh, that's what I do as far as helping schools create and sustain positive culture. Uh, but in addition to that, I come in and I do these uh, amazing keynotes and uh, trainings, and I do whatever they ask me to do. Let me just say that. Because Absolutely. Some people, some people say, Nikki, do you do pep rallies? And I'm like, yeah, I transform <laughs> whatever you need me to be, I, I do it. <laughs> Nikki Spears, the chameleon. Oh my yes. goodness. Yes, yes, yes. No, but it's interesting. One of the, earlier you asked me, what are some of the challenges also? And yeah. I had found myself uh, instead of re chameleon, reshaping, I was reshaping my curriculum, reshaping my content, reshaping, reshaping, almost to the point where I had six lead presenters working simultaneously. So we could be in six different locations simultaneously on the same day. So I was very blessed. And they're all educators. I only use educators to, to help train and support other educators. To me, that is the only formula that you can, you have to speak educator talk. And you got to put secondary with secondary people, elementary with elementary people, you know, like all of that goes into it. But right. I think what one of the biggest things that I ran into was as, as, as everybody was doing their own thing, districts were like short order cooking, right? Like, well, can you do this in this amount of time? And can you do this and this? And of mm -hmm. at the beginning, we were like, absolutely, absolutely, right? We were. And then my presenters were like, Kevin, we have like nine different presentations we're having to, like, it's the same concept we're having to do. And so it's, it, it, is, it is great to be able to meet the, the, the educators' needs, but it puts so much pressure on us and I'm just giving you our personal. It puts yeah. so much pressure on us to recreate ourselves in in different versions that they asked yeah. me, were like, could you could you narrow it down to like three or four? You know what I mean? Like, could you just <laughs> say this is what we do, and can you stay there? And I was like, I never right. thought of it that way because you you just get so differentiated with what districts need, and you want to make sure you meet their needs, and you want customers to be happy, and so yeah, so I I. I I can definitely resonate when somebody says, can you do a keynote? I'm like, that's not what we do, but we can do a keynote, right? Yeah. Can you do a pep rally? Absolutely. I was a high school football coach. I can definitely do a pep rally, right? <laughs> so you do all those things, but but I will tell you, it, it um, our comfort zone is really training, coaching, and supporting um, teachers in just how to build relationships with kids. And we we have some tools that actually three of our tools take less than two minutes. Mm, and yeah. I think that is where, you know, because time, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you do you run into time as an obstacle, even in the positive culture community? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why everything we do. You know, when I was using those habits, what I learned was how quick it was to integrate into our campus just by going on morning announcements every morning talking about what does it mean to be proactive? You know, and I would talk about that. And when I realized that the kids were actually listening, Kevin, <laughs> I pushed it a little further. And so when I would do my walkthroughs, I would say, so what's the principle of the month? And they would say, oh, it's be proactive. Well, what does that mean? And my little kindergartners, I'm telling you, we started doing so many things with who we were as an organization of school. Uh, it was just amazing. Our little kindergartners knew our mission statement for our school. People would come in and visitors would come and just want to see these kids in action because this had become their building. And so I would say, so share your mission statement. And they would share and people would just be amazed, but not just that they remembered it, but what did it mean to you? What oh, does yeah. that mean? You, know? yeah, you, you, you took a tool and, you know, put a meaning to it, right? Like, right. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think when you can make that all the way down connection to the kids, right, to your mission statement and to what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that that is our ultimate goal is when when the kids take it over and they right. take ownership into it and you and the teachers have allowed that and facilitated and been a partner in that versus trying to direct and control it right, right. yeah like it that is totally transformational it not, which transforms the classes which ultimately transforms your campus because you know when I, when I talked about earlier like we talk about uh, kids sparks which are those positive interactions for kids but we talk about big sparks you mentioned custodians, bus drivers, you know, like the people like you better take care of the people that take care of you because <laughs> yeah. that formula right there is a success. I don't care where you're leading. Right. Exactly. So it's exactly. amazing how you mentioned 
a variety of staff versus just the teachers or just the leaders when it comes to that positive culture. Is that yeah. correct? Is that your philosophy I'm hearing? That is my philosophy. I think everything I learned about culture, I learned from my role as a preschool teacher with Head Start. We okay. got it right in the Head Start organization because we would bring in the community. Not only was I serving a student, but I saw myself as serving a family and bringing in those uh, community resources and having families connect with those resources. And when I, be when I became a public school teacher, that was frowned upon. I mean, they'd be like, Nikki, why do you have these parents in your classroom? Now I have to have them in my classroom. And I'm like, what? They're supposed to be here, you know? And I would hear teachers say things like, oh, you're not going to do that in my classroom. Well, in Head Start, we learned that this classroom didn't belong to us. It, it belonged to the students. So it, it was just this different mindset of what I learned early on in my career as a, as a Head Start teacher uh, and taking that into to public schools and transforming mindsets around we're not just here to serve students, but families as well. That was always my philosophy. No, you, that's fantastic. I, well, first of all, anything outside the box, mm -hmm. I, I just adore because to me, the box just needs to be blown up. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. It, 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 it really does. Like somebody in education needs to just say it needs a total overhaul versus yeah. versus slow change. But that's that's here nor there. But I also love the fact that, like you said, to me, vocabulary, because notice how you reshaped what you called it. Right. Just those reshaping of yeah. certain vocabulary terms and words um, around classroom and school and who it belongs to and all of those things. Those are the those are the most powerful pieces for me sometimes because when I was when I started I was restorative practices right well first of all I was restorative discipline and in Texas that's what that's what we piloted but here's what I would tell you I ran into the wall when we call it a restorative discipline because educators would go be like where's the discipline and I'm like well it's a different form of it and they're like no 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 discipline means punishment negative consequences punitive heck blood if we could legally get it like you know what I mean like. So I was like, oh, and once I realized we were not going to reshape the definition of discipline, I was like, I got to change, not my approach, I got to change the title. And so yeah. then I went to restorative practices and they were like, okay, so I got more, more traction with that. But this is what's funny is when I started training the teachers, they'd be like, all right, when do we restore? You know, they want to get to that discipline part. You hear me? And I was like, no, no, no. So then I had to make one more cut in it in my content and curriculum. And I said, teachers, when you do these proactive tools, you mentioned proactive with the kindergartners, right? They proactive. I said, let's call that relational practices. Mm -hmm. And I said, that way I could steer you away from that restorative. So restorative practices is the umbrella, but relational practices is what teachers do. You just build practices that build relationships. They're like, so we're not restoring right now. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because your brain, <laughs> their brain is very reactive. They want to go to the reactive side. And what's so crazy is, I don't know. And I'm going to ask you, I don't know if this is vulnerable, but I'm going to ask you a question. When we have a general title, like say, hey, how would you like to attend a workshop or how would you like to partner with somebody that can help you build proactive relationships in your classroom, right? They're like, um, no, thanks. But if I said how to help you deal with oppositional defiant students, they're like, sign me up, right? right? Like a, a reactive title or a reactive like content gets drawn in more than let's create positive culture and sparks, right? Let's like that. That's that sounds good and ooey gooey for some people. Do you ever run into that ooey gooey feeling? You can be honest. For the most part, people want the positivity now, but I'm talking mostly to the leaders. Right. So difference. I'm talking to leaders of districts and uh, campuses. Now, if I talk to a teacher, that, that response may be a little different. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. I, I know as a principal, I want positivity. I'm I'm tired of all the negative negative energy you're bringing in here every day, you know. But as a teacher, sometimes we want to remain at that low level energy, and we don't want anybody to disturb us, right? Mm. <laughs> so, uh, I I think that's why I've you know I had to think about that for a moment. I think that's why I get a good response is because I'm talking to the leaders who want positivity. Oh yes. And that's that that is an awesome conversation to have when you find those leaders 
oh, that yeah. are willing to, I say, put two feet in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you get that yeah. two feet in with you and they're like, oh, Nikki, we're all in. Right? Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> like, I want you to do the pep rally. I want you to do the families. I want you to yeah. like, we are all in what you, what you are bringing, that positivity. And I'm with you. I One of the, the main reasons beyond the, the spark that the fourth grader gave us as a title is we had just realized that the culture, particularly with young students, the way they speak to each other is very is more negative than positive based on social media, interactions, bullying, getting courageous behind keyboards. There's just a lot of things that have reshaped the way that are less positive interactions. I'll just say that. And so I'm with you. I'm like, can we just start with some positive interactions? Like yeah. they're like, can we start somewhere? I'm like, can you start with the spark? It starts when your kids, like you said, it starts before, but when your kids get off the bus, how are they going to be meeted and greeted? How, when they feel, are they going to feel welcome when they come into school? Are they going to feel like they belong here? Does your staff enjoy coming in? Are they going to be connected with each other? Is there a positive mission statement? What intentionally positive interaction are we working on today? Like when all of those things happen, it's hard not to naturally just feel better that this place that you're working at is a place that you want to be versus in education. Sometimes we're stuck where we don't want to be. Exactly. And I think the kids play a, a huge role and our parents play a huge role in, in helping to create a positive experience for everybody. Because if we're at home and we're talking about how a teacher doesn't like you or they're just doing that because they're against you, guess what? That student goes to school and they're going to be looking for the negative, no matter how positive someone is. So I think it's, you know, it's a partnership with, with everybody that we, we focus on, not, not say we ignore the negative, but I know that what we choose to focus on expands. And so teaching our kids to look for those positive things in life rather than, you know, I was one of those kids, well, I could point out something negative because I was trained by the best. My mom and dad could point out when people were being negative and when they were against you or jealous or whatever these negative terms were. And so I walk into every every relationship looking for that. And that's exactly what I found until I started to change my focus and look for the good and not take things so personally. So I think we all have some responsibility in creating what you call that spark is that kids need to bring it too because the energy you put out is the energy you get back. So for our listeners, Nikki, just asking, what was something that initiated that process that you started to transform yourself from looking for the negatives? How did you start to work on looking at more of the positives? Because what I when I started to read it, I wasn't I wasn't a reader at all growing up. I mean, I read things that were assigned to me, but I became really passionate about like uh, let's see, uh, Jack Canfield. Uh, he's the author of the 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 Success Principles Chicken Soup books, just some of those people. And I can't, my mind goes blank now. He's the only one I can think of. But just reading the works of people and how we think. I've always been fascinated by thinking because I was a negative thinker consumed by that constantly and didn't understand how to get it off. It's like I was trapped in this dark place and, and didn't know how to get out. And so those books really started to open my eyes to look at things differently and that I was in control of the meaning that I assigned to different things. So even in this moment of COVID, we can either, you know, I, I talk to people all the time who look at this as a curse or you, and then it's some that see it as a blessing. And so it's, it all depends on how you choose to look at these moments and the experience I started to feel in my life. When I started to look more for the positive those things expanded and, and more, more positive things started to happen to me. So, of course, I want to go out and be more positive, but I also want to share that message with others who may suffer from the same things that I suffered from, you know, even in my early adult life. Absolutely. No, thank you for sharing that, because, you know, for some of us, like you said, it, it, it is uh, we may read a book. We may, you know, hear a a person speak or listen to a podcast or hear something that just just makes us think. think, And like you, it's interesting because I'm I'm learning. I am very much like you. I am not still not a very avid reader. I only read for requirements. I'll use that. (laughs) And You know, I rarely read for enjoyment. And, you know, I I I am much I I much 
rather enjoy audible books, like listening to them. Uh, you know, it just, it is, I don't even listen to music very much anymore. And I used to be a DJ. Like I used to literally oh. was a DJ growing up. You heard that in your voice, by the way. Oh, thank you. You have but, that DJ voice. Oh, and I wouldn't even think about the voice back then. I'm talking about back when high school, I was spinning records and bringing really? to the parties. I was doing house parties and then doing weddings and kids. Yeah, all this stuff. But but I love music, but I found myself fascinated, as you said, later in life. I, I love learning, but I love learning about thinking. And I Me love yeah. So that's why when you said that, I'm like, I, that's a recent in the last couple of years, as you start working with adults, I start thinking like, I need to understand how adults think, right? right? Like I have my own perceptions, but those don't mean they're accurate. No. And like you said, so I need to understand a little bit more behind theories and data and, and also what else is out there. And that is really um, like open my, my blinders to see so much. And as you mentioned, like this, the podcast was created during the pandemic. It was, wow. it was created, as you said, as a byproduct, because I said, I can't go to meet people in person. And I love to talk and I love to connect with people. And I was working on my second book and I paused it in the middle of this podcasting because there were so many mic drop, golden nuggets, whatever you want to call it, like just pieces of, of just valuable content that I was like, I'm so glad that I paused writing the book because there are strands in here that, it, you know, I heard you say, don't go back and rewrite, you know, what you, you know, you'd already work or, you know, some of the things I was listening to you. So I was like, I'm so glad I just paused because this podcast has been probably one of the most impactful pieces for me. And I'm just being really honest. I'm doing this for a selfish reason. I don't really, and I hope people are listening to this, Nikki, because I hope it helps you promote you what you're doing. But at the end of the day, this is literally a selfish project that I created so that I could meet other educators and other people. And we do students. So about every fourth episode, we put a student on here. And I need to make sure that we hear the student voices and they say the most profound thing. So what it does, it keeps me in my why. Because mm -hmm. I will tell you, Nikki, I, I'm not sure how your experience was. Like schools closed, like we closed. And all of a sudden, I I was to being very vulnerable. I was questioning my why. I was like, what happened? Are we not relevant? Was our product? No, it wasn't our product. It, it was just the circumstances. And as you said, but a blessing coming out on the other side, moving into next year, we're going to be transitioning from NEDRP to RCL. Relationship-centered learning is just going to be more of a universal base. So people don't have to get caught up in restorative practices, relational practices. I'm just going to be RCL, relationship-centered learning. And like, how does that not fit under any form? Because it will tell you, there are some schools, Nikki, there are some schools that would, are, there's a connotation about restorative that is very kumbaya, very touchy, anti-exclusionary, that they won't even touch us because of our name. Right. So, so RCL for me, like you said, I at first said, oh my God, now I'm looking at it and going, look at what a blessing the byproducts of this pandemic has given us. I wouldn't be able to sit here and talk to you today had it not been for the pandemic. Well, yeah, I've, I've wrote, I've written three books, uh, one, a, a nonfiction and two kids, and I'm getting ready to announce my third book. And so my third children's book. And so I found joy in that. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if it had not been for this pandemic. So that's my beauty underneath the struggle. Ooh. So let's talk. <laughs> so talk about is now is that I want to clarify. And that's what I, is that the latest book that was published? The, the self-published book, the, yeah. the Beauty Underneath the Struggle? Yes, that's my nonfiction. Uh, okay. Underneath the Struggle. And see, I was talking about that. Even prior to COVID, because I was doing uh, the energy bus, you know, that's John Gordon's book. But I wanted to put more. It's a it, his book is based on uh, a fable. But I wanted to put more research into what I was going out speaking about. And so I came up with uh, let's create our bus story and find the beauty underneath the struggle. And so it's just about looking for the opportunity that's hidden in each moment that sometimes we may miss because we're so focused on the problem. And when we become so focused on, on the issue, you may miss that opportunity that's available to you in that moment. And that's how all of these great things are created. It's, it's through a problem that we want to solve. 
So even and then when COVID came, that was like the perfect title of the book. And I just started talking about all of my experiences, not just in education, but in my in my personal life, too, with understanding that, you know, this life was given to me as a gift. And so how do I find the beauty in this life? And that's what I've managed to do. And I want to help others find the beauty in theirs, too. So it's, it's all about looking, looking for those moments of opportunity like now in, in the era of COVID. So who is, is this? And I'm, I'm getting clarification. Is this for audience for just the for any person? This is not just educators. This is just the, the book for any person to really, what is an outcome of this book? In other words, if I go to read it, am I looking to, so that I can understand the beauty of my own struggle? Yes, I think uh, the outcome is that you become more self-aware and okay. that you realize that if you want uh, a better life, then you're the one who must create that for yourself, that no external forces can do that for you. It all starts, you know, from from the inside. And, and so it's taking a look at culture from the inside out and not from the outside in. And, and that's what I would want people to walk away. And it's for anybody. It's not, you know, I happen to be a lifelong educator. So my experiences are in education. So I share those. But anyone can read this, Kevin. It's, it doesn't matter what you do. Wow. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, and what I love what you just said, again, you're resonating with me so much is the inside out is I feel like after two failed marriages and just many different ups and downs in life and including the pandemic and you know impacting our business like i have had a more inner perspective from the inside out on just everything mm-hmm. personal relationships business um just just me i have probably spent more time developing and discovering who i am as a person during this time so so this sounds like even though i'm not an avid reader that i need to put on <laughs> list so that I can really understand this point of view that you're describing, because it is very intriguing because the title is very catchy. I think it, it resonates with, like you said, just about anybody. So congratulations on, on, on what is it? That's at the third book. My goodness. Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm excited because I, I you know as a as a kid I was a storyteller. I was an entertainer because when my cousins would come for a visit, I didn't want anybody to be sad. So I would come out of whatever I was feeling and be this entertainer so people would want to come around again. So I would always tell stories or create parties or whatever I needed to do to entertain people. And I found that in education you're no different. You are an entertainer. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. Amongst many other things, actor, entertainer, it's the whole Rita Pearson. He's like a champion, right? And we have to fake it. So yes, see you, 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 I already told you from the beginning, you, so you've been infectious as a child, as you've been starting this, this whole process, your whole life and this whole journey and leading you up to your why and and leading other people to their purpose and understanding their struggle from an inner perspective. So what else is going on in your life that you want to share with us? What else is coming on the forefront of Nikki Spears? What's up and coming or what that you want to share with us and our listeners? Well, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my new assistant. Her name is Rachel. And I've been praying for someone, Kevin, to come in and organize what's up here in the head and she seems to get it. And so I'm just so excited. So I'm able to be more creative. And this idea came to me a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to throw a party for our principals. I call them principals of the pandemic. So I am going to have a celebration, not just for principals, but for the leaders of our schools and districts who have led us courageously through this pandemic, because sometimes our leaders are the forgotten ones. Uh, We concentrate, and I'm not putting anyone down because everybody has had a difficult time during this pandemic, but our leaders, I want to take care of them. So on June 19th, from nine to three, I have recruited some dynamic speakers that are going to speak. And if I had known about you, Kevin, I would have pulled you. <laughs> it may not be too late. I may, may need to talk because uh, I'm in Fort Worth, but we're going to do this in Houston. Uh, okay. Weston in Houston, Memorial City on June 19th. It's going to be a full day of nothing but celebration. And then towards the end, we're going to bring in a DJ with some music and just celebrate. 
So I want to celebrate these leaders. So it's called Principles of the Pandemic or Leaders of the Pandemic. And uh, we're, we're going to party and celebrate these leaders. Okay. So Juneteenth, 19th, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I'm looking at my calendar. Um, Are you available? Oh, I'm, I'm available. But it's so funny is I'm not even talking about me coming to speak. I'm just coming to party and hang out with y'all. <laughs> My uh, my co-founder, you have I don't think you've met or come across Denise Denise Holiday. She is we call her Circle Mamas. Now she's in Austin. Was she at Dickinson that day? I was there. That's not her. Is it? Uh, she's same age, African American female. Um, she is she, she is she is she. I'm the brains and she's the hearts. Oh, so, okay. yeah. So we she is my co-founder, but um. W- What's so funny is, is I'm just laughing because I, I'll, I think I'll bring Denise. We'll come down and visit you. But uh, okay. we we just want to help celebrate that we can. So anything we can do to help put to make your event more of a celebration, because we we totally love giving back. Like part of this as a personal ministry is we do washers, dryers, backpacks, like whatever we can do for schools. And we do big sparks. So like anything that celebrates we'll hopefully maybe we can donate or maybe we can be part of uh, just helping you get this up and running or whatever you need from us. We're going to be here for you. I'm going to talk to you afterwards because this is way too good. And you've said so many things. I'm like, okay, we connect in this way, this way, this way. Yeah. I would love for you guys to be a part of this. So I'll definitely. Well, and then plus you can play music and Denise just calls me white chocolate. Now she, (laughs) now I'll let you, you can meet Denise and she can fill in the blanks, but I would just tell you. So, um, not so evidently she didn't realize like I could dance. She didn't realize like she was like, oh, you are the real white chocolate. So oh, yeah. her her mom actually gave me that nickname. But we, we could talk about that another time. But so <laughs> the other thing that I want to also reach out to you about is so we're actually having a virtual conference July 13th and 14th, the virtual conference. Okay. And so we 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 would I would love to have you come and just like speak yes. at the conference and even even if it's just a 45 minute breakout or just something that gives you another voice and you know and to make people aware of you and what you're doing. But no, definitely uh give you a platform to celebrate another impactful educator in Texas that is making a difference. And so we're we're our virtual conference is July 13th and 14th, and then our in-person conference is gonna be up in your neck of the woods. We'll be back at the Irving Convention center in february of 2022 that is going to be february 18th and 19th we will be in the irving convention center back it'll be our first person what's that i want to do that in person too i mean i'll do virtual but i'm really i've been (laughs) traveling i've been traveling and it's been so much fun i miss it yeah, no, I'm with you. But at least it's close by, so it's not too far of a travel, but Irving. But yeah, so we'll be back on the 18th and 19th in person. So we'd love to partner and have you have an opportunity to speak to our listeners and our followers and get you can meet our students and, and connect with us in person. But listen, I want to value your time. Nikki, you, I, I am so glad that you, I'm sorry, you had a shout out. What was your assistant? Rachel? Rachel. Yeah, I have a shout out to Sarah. People who have an iPhone, you have a Siri, I have a Sarah. Sarah is a teacher that left Richardson ISD and left her teaching job to come work with me and just almost like putting down her fishing net and just said, I'm going to come work. And I was like, no, I, 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 no, I can't. And she was like, it doesn't matter. And she actually subbed in Richardson to keep her benefits. And she did everything until we could bring her on full time. And she literally took over my world. I was a one man show and Sarah, shout out to Sarah because Sarah, Sarah, Sarah just took over everything. And at this point, now I'm like, oh, <laughs> let me just, let me forward to Sarah. Oh, let me get Sarah. Sarah, Sarah know. Is, oh. and, and I can just tell you, as you said, when you have a partner that can oh. take things off your plate and allow you to just be creative and let you be oh. present and all those things. Oh, I never realized the value of how, you know, you don't realize how much you do until you give it up and then you're like, oh right. my God. Right. Like it, it is just it's not that's not easy. I mean, no. it's not easy to find that person that compliments you because I'm all over the place. Right. <laughs> yes. And she told me, she said, Nikki, uh, just put all the puzzle pieces on the floor and I'll put them together for you. I said, good, because I hate puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Nikki. Well, so I want to make sure give a shout out. So let's give them the website and how they can follow you on social media and any other shout outs that you want to give. Okay. Well, I'm on social media uh, on Twitter. I'm Nikki Spears Four and Instagram Nikki Spears Four. My website is www.nikkispears.com. 
Awesome. Oh my God, Nikki, what an amazing conversation. I'm just going to tell you, thank you for not only the connections, but thank you for the insight. Thank you for, for what you're doing and your willingness to leave education and to go out and make a difference. Because I know, I know what that challenge is. I know that in the pit of our stomach, that there's that uneasiness, but then later on how it turns into fulfillment. And just thank you for what you do for educators and for just people in general, for your insight and, and for your vulnerability to pe- to take people along with your journey. Thank you for all that you do. You Nikki. too, Kevin. And I, I felt such a great connection and I'm looking forward to, hey, helping change the world with you. Let's do something. Let's do some things together. Absolutely. Well, hey, for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you next time.